Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Do you know that if we had been there that day, I think each one of us would have come to the same conclusion? Because one thing that we know, dead people remain dead. There was nobody at that tomb, not one person doing a countdown like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Nobody's there waiting for the fireworks to go off. No one has called in a band. No one's hired any cheerleaders. No one's called people together to watch history in the making. No one was there to see the impossible happened. Because when Jesus died, all hope died. Their dreams died. Their their future went up in smoke. Their aspirations, they, they shriveled up. Their expectations out the window. Ambition stripped away. Their desires vanished in smoke. When Jesus died, there were no believers. Nobody was there waiting for something to happen. No believers because there was no Christ. I don't know if you ever think about what the disciples might have been thinking during these hours. Perhaps they were thinking, we've just wasted three years of our lives following this guy. I mean, what was all that teaching, those parables and those miracles, what was that all about? Because none of it makes sense anymore. Clearly, he's not who he claimed to be. You know, sometimes when a leader or a founder of a company dies, there's somebody to step in and, and carry out the values and the mission of the company. But when Christ died, nobody was willing to step in and keep this movement going. Because when there is no Christ, there are no Christians. And when there's no Christ, there are no believers. What kind of movement would that be? So the question is, what do you do with all these claims, though, that Jesus made? Claims about himself that only would be true of God. Like the forgiveness of sin. Nobody does that. But God. You know, it wasn't his miracles that sent him to the cross. It it wasn't his teachings. It, It wasn't his parables. No, it was because of who he claimed to be. He claimed some outrageous stuff. He said he was greater than a Moses for the Israelites. That's crazy. Greater than a Moses. Greater than Abraham. Greater than Jacob. Greater than all the angels. And then he said that he was the son of God. If there had been anybody in the crowd when he made that statement, anybody that was from his hometown of Nazareth, I'm sure they would have spoke up and said, whoa, wait a minute. I grew up in Nazareth. It's a small little town. I know this guy. I know his mom and dad. He is no son of God. In fact, probably his own brother would have stood up. James never believed a word that Jesus claimed. 
And then there would be other people, of course, that would say, well, can anything really good come out of Nazareth? So they followed Jesus because of who he claimed to be. But the thing is, he now he's dead. His lifeless body is in a tomb. Clearly, they had a wrong assessment of who Jesus was. I mean, common sense would tell you there's no way that God is going to send a Messiah and have some foreign power kill him. So, what happened then? I mean, how does one go from a day that there are no believers to a day that we live in now that over two billion people claim to be believers? Millions of people would put down their lives for Jesus. Something happened. You know what happened, right? The morning came. A night was turned into day. And the stone was rolled away, and hope rose with the dawn. Then came the morning. Shadows vanished before the sun. Death had lost, and life had won, for morning had come. On that morning, that dead body, his dead body began to breathe again, and things began to change. Not even the gates of hell could keep him in that grave. There were no believers, though, until the resurrection. Now, you know, I know some people would say uh, Christianity was, you know, started because of the Bible. Bible's written, and therefore Christianity started. You know, some people may say, oh, there were some religious people that started it. You know, people made it from the Old Testament. Maybe Christians created this idea of Christianity. No, Christianity started when the resurrection of Jesus Christ happened. So let's look at the situation. We have family, we have friends, we have followers who are brokenhearted because not only has their friend died, but their hope has died. We have corrupt religious system. We have a, a governor, a Pontius Pilate, who can't wait to get back to Caesarea by the coast. And we have a dead body in a tomb with all of our hopes. Hope had vanished as quickly as it come. All, all that looked so promising came crashing down all around them. Now I understand there, there may be people here today, maybe people that are watching online, that would say, well you know, the Bible really is the only source that you know of the resurrection. If it wasn't for the Bible, then you would have no source to tell you about the resurrection, which I would say, actually, hold up, hold up. Good question, but hold up for a moment. Because before ever the Jewish scriptures were ever put together, before the apostles and the disciples and the New Testament writings were put together, by the way, which was hundreds of years after the resurrection, there were eyewitnesses. So one of the reasons, the proof of the resurrection is that there were actually people there who saw it and, and wrote down their experience. People like Matthew, people like Mark, Luke, and John, and Peter, and James, and Paul. I mean, I mentioned earlier James. James, the half-brother of Jesus. Um, 
the pastor of of a large influential church in Jerusalem. Let me tell you, people don't give up their life for a myth, for a fable. We read about James because he didn't believe a word that Jesus said while he was alive, but something happened when Jesus rose again and he resurrected from the grave. It changed James and all of a sudden he, he, he becomes this pastor of an influential church and then he puts his life on the line. People don't give up their life for something that's not true. But history tells us James was stoned to death. Uh, what about Paul? Remember before he was ever Paul, he was Saul. He was a religious terrorist. And he just went throughout the land looking for those who claimed to be followers of Jesus. And whatever he could do, beat them, throw them in prison, kill them, martyr them. And that's when the persecution of Christians, they just scattered. They were on the run and Saul was running after them. So how does somebody who's anti-followers of Jesus now become one of the most... Um, One of the greatest followers, his name is changed to Paul. Something happened because he had an encounter. Paul himself was an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. And everything changed for him. And again, you don't give up your life for something fake. So when Paul was ushered to the guillotines in Rome to have his head cut off, that's the time you go, actually, it's it's not really true, actually. He was an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Easter is actually the perfect time to ask the question. It's a question that all of us, I think, need to wrestle with. The question is, then who is Jesus? Because Easter is all about the resurrection of Jesus. And if you've never asked that question before, what a great day to be asking that question. Who is Jesus? Because if it's true, the statements that he claims, then it has significant impact on our life. Because he actually said, I am the son of God. You can find that in John 10 and John 11 and Matthew 8 and Luke 4 and Mark 3 and Matthew 27 and John 19 and Luke 22. He said, no one comes to the Father but through me. He said, I am the light of the world. As one theologian said, Jesus is either a liar or he's a lunatic or he is who he said he is, Lord. So we all need to wrestle through that question and find the answer. Who is Jesus? Because if his claims are true, It impacts our lives. It was a resurrection that convinced all those first century followers of Jesus to believe what he claimed to be. It wasn't his care. It wasn't his compassion for people. It wasn't for the teaching. Because remember, up until the resurrection, there were no believers. They had all experienced his teachings and his care and his compassion and his stories of parables and, and miracles. They experienced all that. But that's not what convinced them. Because there were no believers after the crucifixion. The resurrection of Jesus has been convincing thousands of people a year that Jesus was God who came to earth. So, 
Okay, Donald, you may say, okay, so maybe there were some eyewitnesses. Is there anything else? Yeah, there is actually. But before I even talk about that, you know what I found fascinating when I was reading this week? Like all the people that were eyewitnesses and, and have it written down, the, the, you know, the, their accounts, not one of them said, well, actually, I believe the other guys didn't. No one said, I was actually off to the side of the tomb waiting for something to happen because they didn't believe it, I, I did. No, not one of them. All those eyewitnesses, not one of them, until they saw the resurrected Christ, believed. And so therefore, that's, that's what causes us to get so excited. That's the reason we sing the way that we do. That's the reason why we gather the way that we do, because of the implications of the resurrection. Because when we fully understand the resurrection and the meaning of Jesus' death on our behalf, it changes everything about our life. It changes how we live our life. It changes the entertainment that we get involved in. It changes how we spend our money and, and how we mourn and how we love people. The implication of the resurrection is profound. But let me give you another reason why to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John actually all give account to this. I'm going to actually read from Mark chapter 16. As I read this, see if you can detect what would be another reason that somebody would believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Mark 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, well, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. He said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Naz uh, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? Go tell his disciples and Peter that he's going ahead of you into Galilee, there you will see him just as he told you. Another reason to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just eyewitnesses, is who the first eyewitnesses were. They were women. <laughs> in this particular time of history, in this culture, you would never, ever use a woman for an eyewitness. In fact, the Greek philosopher from the second century, Celsus, who hated Christianity, wrote one of the first comprehensive intellectual attacks on Christianity. He said, and I quote, How can anyone expect rational men to listen to the testimony of a hysterical female? How does he get away with that? Because he lived in a period of history that quite honestly was misogynistic. It's a time when women's status was very, very low. So it was really appropriate at this time to bring up this problem. See, if you were making up this story, you would never, you would never have the women be the first one 
to be eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. So then why would Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the Gospels say it was women who were the first ones at the tomb? Because they were. This is a big deal. Because in this ancient world of the first century, women had no credibility. Zero. A woman could not testify in court. If you brought a witness to court and she was a woman, you would become the laughing stock because no one gave any credibility to that. Yet the resurrection story makes the women who are the first ones. If you were trying to fabricate this story, so people in the first century would be convinced, never would you use an example of a woman to be the witness. But do you know why all the Gospels, all Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, tell this story? Because that's what happened. But here's the best news. Here's the best news of all. Because of the resurrection, because Jesus rose from the dead... If you've never put your faith in Christ as your Savior, you can do that today because of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I realize that sometimes there's stumbling blocks for people. Some people will say, well, it's, it's because of what the church has done. And true, the church has done some pretty nasty things in the name of Jesus. Some would say, well, the issue is I've met some Christians and I don't like what they do. yes. I agree, sometimes as Christians we don't represent the family well. But that's not the issue. It's not church, not another Christian. The issue is the resurrection of Jesus. And what are you going to do with that? I mean, no matter what you think, I'm, I have to say up here, there's only one issue. It's who is Jesus? And on Easter, that question was answered. He is exactly who he claimed to be, Savior and Lord and worthy of your life. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.